It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning. Welcome in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You are listening to the Ryan Hickey Show with you here for the next two hours as we go till 11 a.m. Eastern. Getting you set for week number eight in the NFL. Week number nine in college football. We do every single Thursday here. I'm sure we do what we always do every single Thursday. Hickey's Pickies, one hour from now. The most intriguing, fancy, proper name that will ever appear on this radio program. Preston Rooksbury Carmines. All legal, all legit. He will join us one hour from now to give us his picks. A few college games, a few NFL games. We'll get his thoughts here. Uh, if he can get that elusive 5-0 celebrity guest Picker, perfect record. We'll do that in one hour from now. Pete Carroll, I thought, had some very interesting comments this week that we'll get into when it comes to Russell Wilson. Speaking of interesting comments, Mike Tomlin went viral for his. James Franklin went viral for his comments. Both of those gentlemen talking about the current other openings in college football. I'll give you my thoughts there as well. We have a ton to get into here for the next two hours as we get you set for a big weekend in sports. We are coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizza Studios, whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. I want to start today's show with this. In the NFL, it's no secret, the, the main goal, the always objective for any team is to find their franchise quarterback, right? If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And coming into this season, there were a a few teams, five to be exact, that came in with some legitimate quarterback questions. That came into 2021 as kind of a make-or-break year in determining whether they have a true franchise guy or not. Those five teams to me, the Colts with Carson Wentz, Dolphins with Tua Tagovailoa, Panthers with Sam Darnold, Giants with Daniel Jones, the Saints with Jameis Winston. We're just about, as we enter week number eight here in the NFL, just about halfway through. A little rough math there, but halfway through. So for those five teams who came in this year, I thought with a make or break season to to find out if their quarterback can be the guy of the future, I want to circle back on that. Almost like, you know, a progress report midway through the year. Have they been able to find their guy? Is the jury in or is the jury out? I think for one team, the jury's in, they found their guy. I think for one team, the jury's absolutely out. They did not find their guy. And I think three right now, three teams are in wait-and-see mode. It could go either way. So I'll give you my thoughts here. I'd love to hear yours as well. We'll get into the Colts. We'll start with them first. For me, the Colts with Carson Wentz, they have found their guy. I do think the Colts have found their, their quarterback of the future if, if this continues. And so far through seven games, Carson Wentz has played well enough in my mind to have the Colts feel comfortable that he could be their long-term quarterback. The guy they traded for. 
The guy Frank Reich was hoping he would see again like he coached in Philly in 2016 and 2017. He's hoping that can be the Carson Wentz that returns to Indianapolis. And so far, not that he's reached, let's say, MVP levels of play. He, I think, has really done a 180 so far um, between his time in Philly last year and how he's played with the Colts this year. The only question, or really the only like asterisk I'll put here, is that it has to continue the rest of the year. Through seven weeks, I don't think Carson Wentz has any more to prove that he's a guy. Now for me, it's just about consistency. Can he consistently play well through the rest of the 10 games like he has the first seven? As long as the answer is yes, as long as there's no drop-off like we saw in Philly last year where he was turning the ball over at an alarming rate, being a very poor leader, kind of just making tons and tons of mistakes, he's in Indy for the long term. I feel comfortable in saying that. I was at, as This is coming from someone who, as a Colts fan, I had my doubts. I was excited when they traded for Carson Wentz, I'll be honest, but I couldn't sit here and tell you confidently that my hope in that Carson Wentz returning to his form like he played under Frank Reich in Philly was actually going to come to fruition. But so far through seven games, he has flipped the narrative coming out of Philly upside down. He's cut down on turnovers. He has just one interception so far through seven games. That was back in week two against the Rams. Very ill-advised screen pass near the goal line. But for someone who led the NFL in interceptions last year at 15, has just one so far through seven games. He's cut down on the turnovers. He's been a great leader. I would just go back to the last game against the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. After the game, he was talking to Michelle Defoy. She goes, Carson, you played a great game. You know, what led you to, you know, throwing that deep pass to Michael Pittman at the end of the game for a touchdown pass to secure the game when you guys could have played a tape? He goes, look at the players I'm playing with. He gives credit to Michael Pittman Jr. Gives a lot of credit to Jonathan Taylor. He's telling, you know, Michelle how much he trusts those guys. I think to me that comes off as a good leader. So he's kind of done a 180 so far, coming out of Philly last year where it was bad, 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 looking like the worst quarterback in the NFL, to now he's starting to build himself back up. He's starting to show glimpses and flashes of the early Philadelphia Carson Wentz that gave so many Eagles fans hope and a glimmer of the future that it'll be bright. So right now, through seven games, to me, he has shown everything he has needed to show to have the Colts believe he's the guy. The only question is consistency. As long as there's no precipitous drop, he will be the Colts quarterback of the future. So I think the Colts have their answer in Carson Wentz. The Panthers, how about them with Sam Darnold? I think the jury's still out right now. I don't think the Panthers have decided one way or another whether Sam Darnold can be their guy or not. And I think that's a, a good thing. It's still very early with Sam Darnold, right? It's been only seven games. To be fair, the seven games have been a little bit of a roller coaster, right? Three games that were pretty good early on. Beats the Jets in a revenge game. Plays well against the Saints. Christian McCaffrey gets hurt halfway through the Texans game on Thursday night, but he has a big second half to pull the victory out. Panthers are 3-0, and and Sam Darnold's playing well in all three games. Now they're on a four-game losing streak, and those four games have been pretty bad for Sam Darnold. So I know the Panthers have been a team earlier this week that was rumored to be backing on Deshaun Watson before eventually now just backing out a few days later. So there is some thought that, all right, they're already over Sam Darnold. I do think that while time is ticking, and I do think this is the only year he'll get, even though they did guarantee the fifth-year option, I do think this is the prove-it-show-it year for Sam Darnold. If he can give you glimpses, if he can show you why he could be a franchise quarterback, I think the Panthers will roll. If not, if these four games become 
more of a theme throughout the rest of the 10 games left, I think the Panthers are going to be moving on. I think they'll be looking elsewhere, whether it's Deshaun Watson, if he's not traded the deadline, whether it's maybe Russell Wilson, if he becomes available, maybe it's drafting a quarterback. There's a lot of options out there for the Carolina Panthers, and I do think they won't be afraid to turn over every single stone if Sam Darnold continues to play the way he has the last four games. The frustrating part for Sam Darnold is that the talent is there. Like He has shown flashes, whether it's with the Jets or even with the Panthers, that he can be a really good franchise quarterback. The issue is, the frustrating part is, he's only done it in small glimpses. He has really struggled consistently to put good games on top of each other. And really, in this four-game losing streak, the big theme for him is just sloppy mechanics. We saw it really on Front Street. This past week, it gets a bad Giants team. His footwork is awful. He's throwing off his back foot. He's locking down. You know, He's only looking at one receiver. Throughout the entire route, whether he's covered or not, he makes the decision before the step, I'm throwing it to this guy no matter what. It's a lot of bad habits that he has slipped back into that he was doing with the Jets. And that's not you know, how you, you should be playing quarterback. It's not how you should be developing in year number four. I get Christian McCaffrey's not there. You cannot be a quarterback, though, that's only good, that's only serviceable when Christian McCaffrey's on the field. You can't. And that's the case. The Panthers are moving on. So I do think with 10 games left here, Sam Darnold has a chance to flip the script. He has a chance to show Carolina that, hey, I could still be your guy going forward. Now, there's a lot of room to go, but there, to me, is still a chance for him to turn around. So that's why I think the Panthers are still on the fence and haven't made a true decision yet. The Deshaun Watson rumors were interesting for a minute. They're out, which means now Darnold's going to get the rest of the year. You still have some chance here, still have a chance to flip the script here and show Carolina why you are still the guy, or you should be the guy going forward. How about the Miami Dolphins with Tua Tagovailoa? I think, for me, in my opinion, they have made their decision on Tua, and they have decided that Tua isn't their guy. Right? Like this feels like they've already made the move, and whether it's Deshaun Watson this year, whether it's Deshaun Watson the offseason. The Dolphins feel like they are already trying to explore different options to find their next franchise quarterback. And look, they're the only team, reportedly, the only team left in the Deshaun Watson uh, potential trade rooms. So I think their desperation, because that's what it is, trading for Deshaun Watson, which talent-wise is not even a question. He is, I would do it if there was nothing off the field, you make the move. Deshaun Watson is that good of a quarterback. But the desperation with the Dolphins are acting with here, where they're going to still risk trading for a guy with 22 civil lawsuits and 10 criminal complaints, where we have no clue, no clue what his future is going to hold. That's a desperation move. That, to me, tells you everything you need to know about their thoughts on Tua. That tells you all you need to know. When you are that desperate to move on from a guy, that you are willing to trade for someone that potentially... If this thing gets, you know, as bad as it possibly could get, goes to jail. That just kind of shows you that they are, they are at this point, basically down for anyone but Tua. But I don't really understand it. Because not only to me has Tua not played bad, he hasn't really even been given a fair shake in his year and a half in the NFL. Like, you just look, okay, they lost to the Falcons this past week. Tua threw four touchdowns. Okay, they lost to the Jaguars the week before that. Well, Tua threw for 330 yards and two touchdowns. 
has a 95 pass rating so far in year number two, despite the fact that he's only played three full games. He's played fine in the three games he's actually played it. So I don't understand why the Dolphins are so desperate to get rid of Tua. He's barely had a chance to prove himself, right, in a very small sample size. He's had, in his entire uh, tenure in Miami, a bad offensive line, zero run game, skill players that have been hurt. This year, the defense has been awful. But for me, so far, you, you kind of read the, the writing on the wall. They are done with Tua. They have made their decision on Tua Tungvaluwa. And it's that he won't be the next franchise quarterback of that offense. So even though we're only seven games in, I think the, the Deshaun Watson rumors say all he needs to know about the feelings from the Dolphins about their young quarterback. And Tua, he is not the guy. How about the New York Giants with Daniel Jones? I don't think they've made up their mind. I think the door is still open for Daniel Jones to be here long-term in New York. What I will say, though, so far through two and a half years of Daniel Jones being at Giants, he hasn't done much to convince me that he can be the Giants quarterback, that he can kind of take over the reins from Eli Manning and lead this team for the next decade or so. He hasn't really shown much. Now, to be fair, which is why I think the jury's still out on Daniel Jones, is that really he hasn't been given a lot of help to accomplish that. I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy, personally. I think what we've seen is enough to kind of show you, okay, he's fine. Is he going to be great? Is he going to be that big-time franchise quarterback that helps you be the reason you get to the Super Bowl? I say no. But for the Giants, I think the reason why they are still on the fence, the reason why they are still, I think, haven't made up their mind yet is because you look around Daniel Jones, it hasn't exactly been all there. Now, you've had a ton of injuries on the offensive side of the football and, frankly, bad coaching. Those two things are really hamstrung Jones' ability to show whether he's the guy or not. And you look at this year, look, this year I thought coming in was going to be the make or break year. Right? Year number three, you loaded up offensive weapons. You have Saquon Barker coming back. You got Kenny Gallaudet in the offseason. They drafted Kadarius Toney in the first round. You add those guys with Sterling Shepard who's already been there, with Darius Slayton who's already been there. This is a, a offense, especially skill-wise, that has a ton of talent. But now you look at the injuries, Saquon Barkley in and out of the lineup. Now he's been out with a high ankle sprain. You have Kenny Galladay who's missed a ton of time. Darius Slayton has been in and out of the lineup. Sterling Shepard has missed time. Kadarius Toney is missing games. All those players, all five important skilled players that you brought in here to really kind of give Dalen Jones and not give him the excuse that he has no one to throw to, no one to hand the ball off to, all those guys have missed time. There's been a ton, a ton of injuries on the offensive end of the ball, which makes it tough to evaluate. Not to mention, you look at the offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. He's an extremely conservative OC that I do think at times you want, you know, we can blame Daniel Jones for maybe not being aggressive or not shooting the ball down the field enough. I think a lot of that's on Jason Garrett, not giving him the opportunity to. So it's so tough. And it's weird to say for a quarterback now going into, or is in his third year, and midway through his third year, but I don't feel like we have really seen enough and Daniel Jones has had enough time to make a true decision on him yet one way or another. I don't think he's the guy, but I don't think the Giants have made up their mind. I think they're still up in the air about Daniel Jones. And finally, the Saints with Jameis Winston. I think also this is another toss-up where the Saints have yet to make up their mind one way or another. Can Jameis be the guy or going forward? I think there's still more to tell. Because so far, through seven games, the Jameis Winston experience... I would say he's been on par, right? Has gone as you would expect. Some good games, some bad games, but I would say mostly down the middle. 
And I would say so far, that's if you're Sean Payne, that's what you would ask for six games through, sitting at four and two. That's what you want. Because Jameis Winston, as we know, has the talent to be a franchise quarterback. He can make all the throws. He has a very strong arm. He can, you know, fit them, fit the ball in tight windows. His issue hasn't been the physical tools. It's always been the mental acumen, the ability to make good decisions. His decision-making has been very suspect in Tampa Bay. That's why he was out the door in five years. So for this year, when you watch Jameis, at times he does look gun-shy. At times I think he does hold the ball too long because he doesn't want to fit into tight windows and make a mistake. I think that's a good thing. I really don't think that's exactly as bad as maybe we would make it at, and make it sound to be. Because as we know, in Tampa Bay, he was way more reckless than really he should have been. So I think Sean Payton is the perfect coach, I think, so far through six games. We're seeing that. Oh, Sean Payton really kind of trying to rein Jameis in a little bit, make the reads easy for him, not put him in harm's way, and build the foundation from the ground up. That is what I think so far we've seen through the first six games, culminating in that, let's call it, ugly. Monday night game against the Seahawks in Seattle. They are building from the ground up. That's why I think so far it's been a short and small sample size. But I think the jury's still out. There's a, I think there's still a lot of talent here and there's still a good chance for success. But for Sean Payne, this is a long overhaul. This isn't a quick fix where all of a sudden he comes in and it's a turnaround. Even though he was there last year, now it's really starting to make sure those errors and those decision-making lapses that happened in the past in Tampa truly are out of Jameis' system. And then you could really start dialing up better plays, more aggressive plays, and have Jameis really show off his arm talent. The thing that to me, there still is a chance to work here, and there's still a lot of opportunities for Jameis to succeed in New Orleans as a quarterback of the future, but it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Saints, Colts, Dolphins, Giants, and the Panthers. <laughs> All five of those teams enter 2021 with, I thought, a make or break year for their quarterback. Which of those teams do you think have found their quarterback of the future? Which of those teams are already on the hunt? Who should be on the hunt to say, this guy's not going to work, let's cut our losses, and let's start looking for a new guy in 2022? Love to hear your thoughts, whether it's Facebook Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. Which teams with quarterback questions have found their quarterback? Which teams are kind of right back to square one, need to start looking again? Love to get your thoughts. And when we do return here on the Ryan Hickey Show, Mike Tomlin's tone, James Franklin's agent change. See, both of those are very telling about their futures. I'll tell you why when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show with you on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. 30 minutes from now, Hickey's Hickey's. But before that, we were just discussing NFL quarterbacks and teams coming with questions in 2021. Have they found their long-term answers? Now, we'll circle back to that discussion in just one minute here. But the big news of the week, right, in the NFL and college football, two prominent head coaches, Mike Tomlin of the Steelers, James Franklin of Penn State, 
both have been thrown into the rumor mill when it comes to possibly being the next head coach of USC, of LSU, or another big-time job that opens up in college football. And I think two things were very interesting to me, very telling to me both, whether it's Mike Tomlin's tone and the news this week coming out of James Franklin's agent change. I think both of those factors are, are very telling to me about the future of both gentlemen. So let's dive into it. Let's start with Mike Tomlin of the Steelers because he was the one who went super crazy viral this week for his animate video that he is not anywhere close to becoming the next head coach of USC. But I will say this. I was actually surprised that I was in the minority in thinking this, at least looking on Twitter and not many people talking about it, was I really was intrigued and interested by Mike Tomlin's tone, how angry he was when discussing the USC job or the USC speculation that maybe he is on a shortlist for USC. And I will be honest here. I take his tone, I take his vehement denial as a sign that maybe there's more there than he's letting out. Maybe there is more interest than he truly wants to be let on and now he's doing everything possible to kind of smoke out those flames before they get bigger and crazier. So I'll ask you this. I don't understand why he's so angry. I don't understand what there is so much anger to be there about when his name was floated out there. That's it. Now, let me, let's go back here to the source, right? Because I kind of want to lay out going from the beginning of how we even got to Mike Tomlin's name appearing in the first place and why I don't think he should be as angry and why I think that anger again, leads me to believe that maybe there is more interest there than he is truly letting up. So how this really became a national story, how Mike Tomlin's name even became anywhere close to associated with USC was because of Carson Palmer, right? The former USC great national champ. He was on Dan Patrick's show this week, and he was basically telling Dan, you know, a few names that have been involved in Carson Palmer said that he was, you know, he's trying to be as involved as a let him be when it comes to the search. And so him and Dan Patrick were going back and forth. You know, who's the front runner? Is it James Franklin? Is it Luke Fickle? Could be another head coach. So Carson Palmer was going down the list of a few coaches, you know, again, he gave you all the big names. He gave you James Franklin. He gave you Luke Fickle. He gave you Matt Campbell as names of interest. But he also threw out a wild card. And I want you to listen to how Carson Palmer kind of even talked about Mike Tomlin becoming a possibility here. You've got a wild card like uh, Mike Tomlin. That, that if Mike Tomlin wants out, and and it, I think, you know, at the end of the day, there is not a direct. That's the guy everybody's pointing their fingers at. There's a there, there's a lot of great options. Has has and Mike USC, Tomlin hypothetically been discussed? Uh, I, I'm sure he has. I think, I think anybody is a potential candidate right now. And that's, what's so great about the job is it can lure an NFL guy in that's tired of their current situation and worried about is Ben Roethl Roethlisberger gone? Is he done? Who are we going to draft? Do I have, does Mike Tomlin have to start over with a first round young rookie quarterback? Mm. You know, everybody's on the table being that that job is so big and so coveted. So you hear Carson Palmer kind of talking about Mike Tomlin and I don't know about you, for me, that sounded like someone coming from a USC background that is more wishing Mike Tomlin is interested. Hey, we would love to have a guy like Mike Tomlin there. Never did Carson Palmer tell Dan Patrick Mike Tomlin was interested. 
Never did he say this is a realistic option. Never did he say even the two sides even talked about it. This to me sounds like, hey, the USC job is one of the biggest jobs in college football in Carson Palmer's mind. So big, so powerful that, yeah, we could even consider, we could even maybe lure a very successful NFL head coach and Mike Tomlin over here. I take that more as USC trying to flex their muscles about how powerful they are. Not to mention USC kind of thinking outside the box of, hey, yeah, look, James Franklin, Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, those are guys that we're interested in, but also... We're not afraid to go outside the box. We'll look at a guy like Mike Tomlin. He's had a lot of success in, a lot of success in Pittsburgh. Maybe we'd love to be able to talk to him and, and get him in the door. So again, there was never, this is not Carson Palmer saying Mike Tomlin's interested. This is not Carson Palmer saying, yeah, you know, we think Mike could do it. We think Mike would leave. This is basically to me saying we would love, if any remote possibilities out there, Mike Tomlin's interested, we'd love to talk to him and, and make this a possibility. Speculation at best, almost wishing at best, was Carson Palmer to Dan Patrick. Now, I want you to listen one more time here to Mike Tomlin. I'm sure you've heard it, but I just want to kind of play, because now you kind of at least hear where I was coming from when I heard the Carson Palmer news. I heard, okay, that makes sense. Like, I, w- I would hope USC would be interested in a guy like Mike Tomlin for how successful he's been. And now, listen one more time to Mike Tomlin just be almost disgusted that Carson Palmer even said his name. I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. I got one of the best jobs in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? That'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? Anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? So you hear Mike Tomlin's reaction, and he is pissed. But again, I'll ask you this. Why is he so angry? Why is there so much venom coming from Mike Tomlin when it comes to Carson Palmer throwing his name out there? Tossing it out there as, hey, maybe we would love to have him. We have no clue if he's interested. This is just a wish list. This is a guy that we're going to add to the name of 40 names that have been discussed for USC. I'll tell you why. I, this is just my opinion. I truly don't think if he was that out on USC, if he had zero interest as he claimed, he would respond so angrily. I posed this question on Twitter, like, why is Mike Talent so angry? And someone tweeted me back, and I thought this was a genius, genius comparison. He, he compared the Mike Tomlin anger to us when we were back in, you know, second, third, fourth grade. Remember when we were elementary school? And that was back in the day where girls had cooties and it wasn't cool to talk to girls. And all you wanted to do is, is talk, to the, talk to the boys. Or if you're a girl, all you want to do is talk to your girls. And then anytime a rumor came out, oh, hey, do you have a crush on so-and-so? Do you have a crush on Nicole? Do you have a crush on Johnny? What would always happen? You'd always fiercely deny, oh, she's disgusting. I would never do that. Or you're always so mean to the girl you have a crush on or the guy you have a crush on, right? That's kind of just how you were when you were young. For whatever reason, you can't explain it. That was always kind of your reaction to fiercely deny if anyone ever accused you of having a crush, and you always wanted it to be meaner and angrier to the person you had a crush on. That's what Mike Tomlin, to me, sounded like. He sounded like someone that was trying to really sell that he has zero interest in USC. But for me, with how hard he's trying to sell it, I personally think that there is, I think, more interest 
there, then Mike Tomlin wants light on. Because, I mean, think about it. It's not a crime for USC to be interested in Mike Tomlin. He's making it seem like this is the most abhorrent thing he's ever heard, that USC is interested in him. What's so bad about that? Think about USC. Think about the last time they had their glory days. Matt Leiner, Carson Palmer, Reggie Bush, Lenda White. You can go up and down the list of the incredible and tens of NFL stars they had on their rosters in the early 2000s. Do you know who's leading USC back then? A former NFL head coach. Was he as successful as Mike Tomlin? Absolutely not, right? Pete Carroll was nowhere close to as successful a head coach in the NFL as Mike Tomlin was. But it's the same kind of guy. Upbeat, very, you know, down, the, down to earth, about business. Pete Carroll was, Mike Tomlin is. Similar coaching styles, I would say. So if you're USC, you look back, how can we back to the glories? Well, the last time we were back in our glory days, we had a similar style coach. Or we have Pete Carroll, and now we have Mike Tomlin was a similar coaching philosophy, similar coaching style. I view it as a sign of respect for what Mike Tomlin has done consistently over his time in Pittsburgh. Not as disrespectful. Like, I'll give you another, another analogy. When it comes, like, for all of us, we all have a celebrity crush, or whoever that is. For me, it's Jennifer Aniston. I love Jennifer Aniston. Would I love to date Jennifer Aniston? Absolutely. Do I have a chance? No. But is it a crime for me to throw out there, oh, I'd love to take you on a date? No. Is Jennifer Aniston going to all of a sudden hold a press conference and be disgusted that someone like me would want to date her? No. It's not a crime. That's what Mike Tomlin is doing here. He is holding a press conference. I get it. It's what he does. But... Just to react as, as disgustingly as he reacted to just USC being purely interested, not even interested, Carson Palmer being a guy interested in Mike Tomlin. To me, it's telling. I think there's more here than Mike Tomlin's being let on. Is he going to be the next USC coach? No, I'm not sitting there telling you that. But I will say, if he just said, oh, guys, you know, that's great. You know, USC, appreciate that, but... Look, I'm the Steelers coach. I'm an NFL guy. I really have no interest in college. Let's, you know, it's, it's not even really a thought for me. I wouldn't, we probably wouldn't even be talking about it, to be, to be completely honest. But I will say, with how hard he tried to deny it, how angry he tried to portray that he's even being considered, I think raised, you know, kind of, you know, raised my spidey senses a little bit. I'll be honest. I find that more interesting than if he just denied it, like, no big deal. Plenty of NFL coaches. John Harbaugh, there was a clip yesterday, Guy Haberman on Twitter, put a clip out when John Harbaugh was on a list, I believe it was for Texas, like five years ago, and he kind of laughed it off, you know, that's great, but on the last short list, made a you know, joke about his height, and then said, you know, I'm a Ravens guy, I love the Ravens, not going anywhere. Super in passing, just very casual, you know, thank you, but no thanks. No one's talking about it. I just found that response very interesting. And one, one thing I just want to say because I've been seeing this over the last 40 hours on Twitter. It's driven me crazy. Mike Tomlin's final comment. Is anyone asking Sean Payton about this? Is anyone asking Andy Reid about this? The answer is no. And do you know the reason why no one is asking Sean Payton about the USC job? Do you know the reason why no one is asking Andy Reid about the head coaching job at USC or LSU? It's because Carson Palmer didn't name them. It's because the LSU AD didn't come out and say, oh, Sean Payton, we'd love to have him. Come on over, Sean. Andy Reid, come on down. A prominent voice in the USC head coaching search in Carson Palmer threw a Mike Tomlin's name. 
He did not say Sean Payton. He did not say Andy Reid. That's why those guys aren't getting the questions. It's very simple. If Sean Payton was saying, if, if Carson Palmer said, you know, Mike Tomlin, Sean Payton, those are guys that we want to look at. Those are guys we're going to target. I guarantee you Sean Payton is asked about that in the next press conference. He wasn't named. That's why the question was posed to Mike Tomlin and not to anyone else. His name was named. On the flip side, James Franklin. I think this is, at this point, a guarantee. I think he's leaving Penn State after this season. And I think he's leaving Penn State not because of his fumbled press conference this week where he referred to Ohio State as Illinois multiple times. He referred to the horseshoe as the big house. I think for me, the biggest change that shows that James Franklin is out the door is an agent change. He hired Jimmy Sexton, a big-time, prominent, most arguably the most powerful agent when it comes to head coaches, um, head coach representation. And for me, I don't think you hire a super agent like Jimmy Sexton if you just want another race. I think you only hire him for one reason, because you want a different job. Because we look at James Franklin's tenure so far at Penn State. He's been there since 2014. This is year number eight. Contract extensions for him haven't been a problem. He has gotten multiple contract extensions along the way, and it hasn't been like a Jim Harbaugh contract where he's going to his last year as a lame duck, or he needed a, a pay decrease as Jim Harbaugh took to stay at Michigan. There's been multiple years left on James Franklin's deal each time, and he has gotten a brand new contract to keep him at Penn State. He, did the, he just received one back in February of 2020, so just a year and a half ago, pre-pandemic. So he has been getting contract extensions. You haven't had Penn State really balking at giving James Franklin a competitive salary in the Big Ten. He has gotten other monies from the university and donors to get facility upgrades. Most recently, this past offseason, he got a $48 million approval for football facility upgrades. So he's gotten the contract. He has gotten money to put into the football program to keep them competitive with Ohio State, with Alabama, with Clemson, with USC, with LSU. He is getting the backing to be able to keep up in the arms race. So he's gotten the contract extensions. He's gotten the facility upgrades. He consistently gets increases in assistant coaches pool, which is huge because, again, now, when you have such good coordinators, if you're not paying them the top dollar, they'll leave and go elsewhere, and you'll have coordinators making over a million dollars. He has consistently gotten more and more assistant coaching pool money to keep them at Penn State and not go elsewhere. So I'll be honest here. I don't think he's changing agents personally to get a bigger contract, to get more facility upgrades. I think he is changing contracts because he is ready to move on. He's looking to go big game hunting. Now, he made the agent change back in the summer. This is before the USC job was open. This is before the LSU job was open. Let's also not pretend like those jobs we didn't view coming into the year as potential openings. Clay Helton was on the hot seat really every single year since he was named the head coach. And Coach O, after how brutal 2020 was coming to this year, this is a year everyone's kind of looking at Coach O like, hmm, he could, you know, this could be the year. If things don't go well, he's not back. And as we saw, that's the case. So for me, I'll be honest here, as a Penn State alum, I would be very surprised if James Franklin is back in 2022. I think the agent change, for me, has, is more of a sign that he is gone than referring to 
Ohio State as Illinois and referring to playing in the horseshoe this week. Instead, he called it the big house. He seems very distracted. Even yesterday, during his weekly press conference on Wednesday, he told reporters that there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to his future. That's not just, you know, the USC and LSU jobs. That's also Penn State administration. Their presidents are talking at the end of the year. The athletic director, Sandy Barber, her contract is up after next year. So there's some administration change that could be coming, possibly, with how the new president comes in. So this could be James Franklin kind of saying, all right, you know what? There's some uncertainty in the future. I think I'm out. That, to me, is why the agent change happened. That, to me, is more of a red flag, more of a eyebrow-raising um, move than his comments this week. So for me, Mike Tomlin, I'm more interested by his tone of why he's so angry. I think the anger there is trying to mask some interest. Maybe I'm not saying he's going to leave. I just think there's more interest from Mike Tomlin he wants to let on about maybe going to USC. And for James Frank, I think the agent change, going to Jimmy Sexton, going to a very powerful agent to me, is him paving the way to make a change and go elsewhere. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter. WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey show on Twitter as well. Is there any chance, any chance Mike Tomlin is truly interested in the USC job? Would he leave the Steelers in your mind? Could go to a college job when he said never say never, but never. Is there any shot in your mind? And James Franklin, is he back at Penn State next year? Or do you think the agent change? Do you think kind of how this week has unfolded? He is gone. Good as gone. Love to hear your thoughts again. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. We'll get your thoughts. And when we return here on the Ryan Hickey Show, 15 minutes from now, Hickey's Pickies. But when we do return, Game 2 of the World Series went to the Astros last night, tied 1-1, going back to Atlanta for Game 3 tomorrow night. I'll be honest here. This World Series feels like destiny to me. I'll tell you which team I feel that way for when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back in to the Ryan Hickey Show. Where else? The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Some great thoughts here on Twitter. Comment on the live stream. You can find that on the Worldwide Sports Network uh, Radio Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, or the show handle, at Ryan Hickey Show. We'll get to those comments here in just a second, whether it's Mike Tomlin possibly leaving for USC, James Franklin, what the hell is his future going to be? And earlier in the show, we started it by at least questions, five teams I thought coming in with a make-or-break year at quarterback. The Colts, the Panthers, the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Saints. All five had quarterback questions where I really thought 2021 was either going to make their quarterback situation, they're going to have the guy in the future, or it's going to break it. They're going to kind of go back to the scrap heap here and, and looking for a new guy in 2020, uh, 2022. I do quickly want to hit on the World Series here before we circle back to those comments. And again, Hickey's Pickies here coming up in 10 minutes with Preston Rooksbury Carmines. That is right. That is all real. That is all legal. We'll get Rooks on here in just a little bit. But two games of the World Series in the books here. Each team, one uh, Braves won game one, Astros won game two. I'll be honest here. 
This, to me, the World Series feels like destiny. I get it's corny, I get it's cheesy. I really don't get these feelings that often here. But I do feel like this World Series is destiny for the Braves to win. I did not go in thinking that they were going to win the World Series. I picked the Astros. But I'll be honest, the Charlie Morton injury in Game 1, him getting hurt, still gutting through a few more batters, coming out later that he fractured his fibula out for us the World Series, with how Atlanta has dealt with injuries all season long, this almost feels like destiny now that they are going to win the World Series. Because despite losing your best pitcher, right, for the rest of the World Series, that's kind of a big deal. Losing the ace of the staff. This does feel like it's adding another chapter. It's really setting up to be the latest adversity this team overcomes on their path to winning a World Series. I can already see it now. I can already see the hype videos. I can already see the document, uh, the documentaries being made. All the loss that they have had. And then yet again, boom, disaster strikes in the biggest moment, game one of the World Series, and they still have to overcome that and found a way. That's what the Braves have done all season long. Right? They lost their ace, Mike Soroka, really for the entire year. Really for the last two years. Tore his Achilles. Last year was trying to come back. This year, unfortunately, retore his Achilles. Hasn't pitched at all um, once this year. He's supposed to be the ace. Obviously, that's not been the case. Then, even more damaging, early July, they lost their best player in Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the best young players in all of Major League Baseball. So you lose your best pitcher, who never was able to pitch at all at any point this year, lose your best player, one of the best young players in all of baseball for half the season. This season should have been doomed right there. They should have been dead in the water. They should be at home right now. Whether it's the Mets, whether it's the Phillies, whether it's the Dodgers or the Braves, one of those teams should have been in the playoffs over the Braves. And one of those teams should be in the World Series now, not Atlanta. But they have only continued to get better, only continued to believe, it feels like. And that is kind of, you know, all those injuries, it feels like, made them stronger. Now that's what I kind of think is going to happen here. The Charlie Morton injury, although devastating on the surface, that you lose another great pitcher. I think it only strengthens the belief of how they got there. Because they're not more talented than the Astros. They're not more talented than the Dodgers. You can make the argument they're not even more talented than the Brewers. All three teams are playing in the, in the postseason. They got past Milwaukee. They handled the Dodgers pretty easily. And now they're tied 1-1 going back home with the, with the Astros. They're playing loose. They're playing with confidence. And they've been one of the most hottest or the hottest team in all the postseason. So this feels, and this injury, going back to game one of Charlie Moore and breaking his fibula, and again, just another loss for the Braves. Instead of being the straw that broke the camel's back and the reason why the Astros are going to go on and win the series, I think this only strengthens their collective belief, makes them even hungrier and better. And I do think, for as corny and cheesy as it sounds, I do think this team's a team of destiny. I hate to say it. I hate the Braves. I really don't want to see them win. I'm rooting hard for the Astros. I just, I just have this feeling. And I don't think that this injury will be the death knell. And think, I think instead it'll be kind of a catalyst. And the Braves will win the World Series. So I want to get your thoughts here on Facebook and Twitter. Again, Facebook Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRRun underscore radio. At Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. When it comes to teams with a make-or-break quarterback decision for 2021, I thought there's we talked about the five teams. I thought the only team that had concrete answers one way or another were the Colts with Carson Wentz. I think as long as he can consistently play the way he has, he's their guy. He has shown enough to me in seven games to be the long-term quarterback of the Colts. And now it's just not basically ruining all the momentum he had 
And I think it's pretty obvious. The Dolphins do not like Tua Tungavaloa. I couldn't tell you the reason why. I like his game. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he'll become a franchise quarterback for another team that gets him. It just doesn't appear he'll be in Miami. I think those are the two teams so far that have really made their decisions one way or another. I think the Panthers, I think the Saints, and the Giants, three teams right now in limbo. Through seven games, just about halfway through the season, I don't think they really have any clarity one way or another when it comes to whether it's Sam Donald with the Panthers, Daniel Jones with the Giants, or Jameis Winter with the Saints. There's been some good, some bad. And there's still enough time here to kind of figure it out um, one way or another. But doggy, dad, 2-2-2. Panthers guy. Big Panthers fan. He's done with Sam Donald. I think there's still a chance for Sam to kind of win the organization back here and prove he could be a franchise quarterback over these next um, 10 games. He's done. Sam, he, he, he writes on, again, on uh, Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show or WWSRN underscore radio. Sam is not the guy. Says that he's scared and misses wide open receivers. He's supposed to be good, but the dude is maddening. I would, I agree. Look, I'm a big Sam Darnold fan here myself. I'll be completely honest here. I thought, especially being in New York, kind of watching with the Jets, I thought this was a lot on the Jets really screwing him over, not giving him a chance to win compared to Sam Darnold just stinking. So coming into this year in Carolina, I was super excited to see Sam Donald play because now he has, look, he has Christian McCaffrey. The old line is not great in Carolina, but it's better than what he had in New York. The coaching is way better. The receivers are way better. I really thought, okay, it's not perfect, but this is finally a chance for Sam Donald to truly show what kind of quarterback he is, which I thought was going to be a talented quarterback. And to uh, Dougie Dad's point, he is a Madden player so far. He's had three okay to, to good games. I would say good games. And then his last four have just been atrocious. He's right. He's missed open receivers. His mechanics are super sloppy. He's locking on to receivers. He's throwing off his back foot. His feet are a mess. Mark Schlereth, although, did a great job this past week uh, when he was commentating the Giants-Panthers game. He's highlighting all the flaws with Sam Darnold's mechanics and delivery. And it's like, this is a lot of things we saw with the Jets. He's not getting any better. You hope through seven games in year number one in Joe Brady, with Joe Brady's offense, is going to be an elite quarterback? No. But you want to see growth. You want to see him take a step in the right direction. And through three games he has, and now through these last four, he's taking a giant step back. One step forward, two steps back. The talent is there, and he's showing you flashes. It's the consistency with Sam Donald that is maddening. That is frustrating because you know deep down he has the talent. Just do it on a consistent basis. Do the small things. And so far, he's yet to do that. And when it comes to the decision or the future of Mike Tomlin, and when it comes to the future of James Franklin, my guy Johnny Reyes, Johnny Baseball is what to call him, does comment saying he would be shocked if Mike T leaves, but does think that James Franklin is gone to USC by December. I'll be honest, I agree. The only way I think he's not at USC at this point, to be honest, is if USC goes elsewhere. If they want another head coach. If they see the trajectory of Penn State's season, which right now is not looking great, where you still have to play at Ohio State, at Michigan State, home against Michigan, when you already have two losses, one to Illinois this past week. Maybe USC's getting second thoughts. I think at this point, when, when James Franklin hired a big-time agent, as he did in, in Jimmy Sexton, I think that was kind of the final sign that he is going elsewhere. Whether it's this year, maybe it's next year. I think the only way he's back, to be honest, is if a team doesn't want him. If USC doesn't want him, then they go elsewhere. That, to me, is the only way he's not back in Happy Valley in 2022. Or he is back, I should say. Because if LSU doesn't want him, USC doesn't want him, maybe Miami, 
I think they'll become open with many ideas. Maybe they don't want him. But if it's up to James Franklin, I think he would leave this year. I think he is he is done and ready to move on. That's just my opinion. So we'll get your thoughts here. And when we do return, a Thursday tradition like any other. We'll give an update so far on the standings of Hickey's Pickies. A gentleman who came on the show last year did not have a great performance, but our last celebrity picker last week, Rob Young, went 1-4 last year and had a big bounce back 4-3 and three effort this year. Preston Rooksbury Carmines also went 1-4 and four this year. Can he flip that record around? We will see when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back in to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Always love Hickey's Pickies every single Thursday right here. And very excited for our, our next contestant. Is he the smartest man when it comes to picks? Probably not. Is he a gentleman that will win you a lot of money with these picks? Absolutely not. As you can see, if you're watching right here on the stream, his last year was 1-4, was not great. Now, to be fair, not that I'm the best picker either. Nowhere close. We'll give you the standings here in one second for Hickey's Pickies. But I got to welcome in my guy, whose full name, as you see on the screen, is real, is legit, Preston Rooksbury Carmines. Rooks, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me. Hate that you display my full name for the public, but it's cool. Um, to make my name even sound more ridiculous, I'm the second. So it's Preston Rooksbury Carmine's the second, which is just ridiculous. But pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Hold on, we got to change that there. Put two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the two. Uh, the two eyes. Two two eyes. There we go. Preston Rooksbury Carmine's the second to be official. Well, Rooks, we appreciate you coming on here. I got some good news for you. Last year is a rough year. Look, last year is a rough year for, for, for anyone picking games, to be honest here. Lauren, my girlfriend, won at 5-0. So that just kind of tells you those who, who know less maybe know more when it comes to picks last year. This year, though, I will say it's been a nice bounce back for everyone involved. So far, yours truly, 22-18 and 18 through seven weeks. Not awful. We'll definitely take it compared to last year how bad it was. What was that, P-Man? Winning record. Winning record. Hey, we'll take that. Winning records yeah. all we want. We got Greg Caserta, Joe Pidel, two of my other friends going both four and one so far, and Rob Young going four and three so far at the top of the leaderboard. Now, I will say, P-Man, for you, the good news is Rob Young, last week's contestant, did also go one and four last year, now bounced back with a four and three effort. So, look, change is coming. We feel confident in these picks so far. I'm a little stressed. You know, I definitely did not perform well last year. Last year, we had very similar picks, which I knew was yes. going to be my downfall. <laughs> I knew off the jump it was not going to be not. I didn't have a positive outlook on it at all. But you know, I we got some solid games this year. I I think I got this. Uh, fingers crossed. I think I got. This. I'll tell you this, right? The, the best advice I can give it is just go opposite of whatever I say. That's <laughs> anytime me and you agree on like two, three, four picks, we are you're screwed. It's bad. I'm telling you that right now. All right, P-Man. So I'm glad we got you on for two reasons. One, your Cardinals. Big, diehard Arizona Cardinals fan. They do play to off a 7-0 star. We'll get to your thoughts about them in a second here. But also, we do share one thing in common. We are both Penn State alums. This season, let's just say, has not gone uh, as we thought it would maybe even two weeks ago. Is James Franklin gone? I mean, so I got to kind of 
I got a guy who's got his ears down to the streets. You might know him, um, <laughs> Eddie Pilars. This he, guy always comes in with these hot takes that, you know, they end up working out. He said Franklin's gone. If he says Franklin's gone, I'm on that bandwagon now. You know, I believe it. Teddy, shout out. That guy, Adam Schefter Jr., like, he's got the hookups. He's got the connects. I think James Franklin's out strictly because of Teddy's prediction. I don't want him gone. I'll be honest. I still think that he is the best coach for Penn State, but I'm with you. I think he's as good as gone. This is going to be this is going to be a, a tumultuous next month or so for the season, both on the field and off. I think that every loss is only going to get the, the voices louder. This week, we'll get to that pick here in a second, Penn State, Ohio State. <laughs> I'll tell you this. If this game, if we were picking this game three weeks ago, this is a whole hell of a lot different oh, yeah. than uh, how it is going in right now. We got a lot of games to get to. We got some good games to get to. You ready to get to week eight of Hickey's Pickies? Let's kick off. I still can't believe we're rolling with the name Hickey's Pickies, but like now I think you just have to commit to that. You don't like it? I told you last time I was on this that I didn't like it. Oh, my well, memory is short. Well, as someone who is great with names, Preston Rooksbury comments a second. What would you right now on the spot, if you had to rename the second, what would it be? I don't. Just man, like picks? You, I think you did this to me last time too. I don't know. Hicks Hickey, picks? Dickies, just NFL good. picks? The Worldwide yeah. Sports Radio Network NFL picks? picks with Ryan Hickey on the Worldwide <laughs> Sports Radio Network. That's perfect. Uh, all right. Well, maybe we'll take that consideration considering the prestige that Preston Rooksbury Carmine II brings to the show. All right, Rooks. We will start with some games here. We'll start with the game close to both of our hearts. We'll get it out of the way here. Penn State, Ohio State. This spread is massive. 18 and a half points. It's going to be a scarlet out at the horseshoe. They're trying to rip off the white out. They're going to all be wearing scarlet, including... The uniform's all scarlet. Take that for what you will. I'm a uniform guy. Some people aren't. Can Penn State keep this close? Are you going to take Ohio State minus 18 and a half? So, like you said, a few weeks ago, you oh. told me this game. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> I know the spread obviously would have been different, too. But, man, totally different eyes. But after watching the most depressing football game of all time last week, do you know how long that game was? Oh, my. It was, it was almost like five hours. It was absurd. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm hoping for a big bounce back. I mean, in reality, so Ohio State's offense is really starting to roll. I mean, 66 against Maryland and like their all their games are scoring a lot of points. But I do have a lot of faith in our defense, which sucks because I feel like our defense is being wasted <laughs> this year because our offense can't get in the end zone to yep. save their life. Um, but our defense has been outstanding. We have playmakers all over the field. And it really is just sad that I think it's they're going to they're kind of going to waste because, you know, we have this undisclosed injury quarterback who just has secret injuries that no one knows about. And it's really affecting his play. Granted, like or we don't even what's the deal? What's the deal with Clifford? Keeping secrets now. What is going on? Why do we not know what's going on with Sean Clifford? Isn't that college football for you? I guess so. But regardless, um, I think we have I, I don't feel confident about this. I think we cover I think Penn State covers the 18 and a half. I don't like saying that out loud. I don't like saying because that requires, you know, like our defense, I think it's going to hold, but our defense is going to be on the field a lot against a team that's scoring over 40 points a game. So I don't like it, but, you know, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm going to roll Penn State covering the 18 and a half. Sean Clifford, hopefully his undisclosed injury is healed a little bit. I don't know what it is, but... Hopefully he's feeling better and he can actually hit a receiver and make a decision this week. Because last week it was it was hard for him. 
a few things I'll say here. Number one, the game, you can't play any worse offensively than they did last week. So it's only up from here in theory. That was the ugliest, one of the worst games we will ever see as Penn State fans. So the good news, okay, it can't get much worse this week than last week. James Franklin this week said that Sean Clifford's going to be 100% healthy this week. I don't buy that for a second. This guy, anytime he moved, he's bending over. Anytime he took a hit, it, I wasn't sure if he was going to get up or not. I mean, we saw that game last week. He was, he was, if he was 60%, 75% healthy, that's like, well, okay, I, I would have took that. There's no yeah. way you go from that to all of a sudden this year, or this week, I should say, he's 100% healthy. No shot. I'm going to guess a rib injury. That's just my amateur doctor watching from TV. And I've heard that too. Why not just say it? Is there a pro- Is he embarrassed to have a rim injury? Like, is this? I think it's gamesmanship. I, don't, I just don't. I don't understand. I don't understand that when you don't have to put a depth chart out, when you don't have to give it a true injury report in college football. I think coaches will, will hide whatever they can. Maybe you know Ryan Day thinks it's a right leg injury, and they'll start diving for his right kneecap instead of the right rib cage. So with that said, so Penn State can't play any worse than they did last week. Sean Clifford, I guess in theory, is healthier than it was last week, although I don't think he's anywhere near 100% James Franklin saying. With that said, the run game stinks. The offensive line can't block. I think Ohio State covers. I hate to say it. Two weeks ago, 17-3, mid with the second quarter before Sean Clifford gets hurt. I'm thinking they're going to beat Ohio State. This team is going to the yeah. playoff. There's oh, yeah. no one even going to take him down. Two and a half weeks later, here we're sitting – I think Ohio State's going to cover the 18 and a half. Dude, the defense is great. Our defense is going to play out of their mind, but they're still playing high-powered offense, and they're going to be on the field the whole game. Well, that's 100%. They're going to spend the entire – they're going to spend at least three quarters on the field. So, I don't – again, as I said, I hate that I picked Penn State at 18 and a half, but positive note, you picked Ohio State, so maybe, you know, maybe they cover. That's – you know, I I don't – I don't exactly know how the reverse jinx works. Like, I'm trying to do it. So I don't know if you do it on purpose. It actually does work. And I have a part of my reasoning is, you know, yeah, I'm not even going to give Penn State a chance this week, and maybe they'll surprise us. But, yeah, it's your, the offense can't train together first downs. The defense is going to – even if the defense, like, if they give 35 points, that's probably a win without, like, yeah. Ohio I mean, State scoring. Against Ohio State's offense right now, that's, that's beautiful. Because Ohio State's offense is really hitting their stride and everything's starting to come together. Like, 35, I'm cool with that. I saw that for a second. Now, is Penn State going to score – 20 24 points 28 points and the score 10 10. against illinois so i mean they could have run the ball against illinois soft front four so i'll go ohio state minus 18 and a half you'll go penn state plus 18 and a half please please i hope you're right please keep it close a big game i thought this was gonna be the big game in the big 10 this week ohio uh penn state ohio state it now has changed because this is now michigan michigan state little brother versus big brother at sparty here the Wolverines are four-point favorites on the road. Rooks, you going with the Spartans? You going with the Wolverines? So I'm I'm going full reverse Desmond Howard. So you know Desmond Howard, whoever Penn State, like Homer. whoever Penn State plays. Oh, Penn State has Appalachian <laughs> State this week. You know Appalachian State's been looking really good. I think I'm gonna roll with Appalachian State. You know he just picks against Penn State. Desmond, if you're listening, uh, you can kick rocks. Um, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going Michigan State at home. I, I think this is a very interesting game because I don't think either team has played anybody. Like, neither team has played a tough opponent. Like, um, 
I don't know. I don't remember if it's Michigan or Michigan State. Like, toughest one is, like, Washington. Washington dinks in the Pac-12 this year, you know? Like, I don't think they've played anyone serious, so it should be cool to see them kind of light each other up. But I think I think Michigan State at home takes it. I think they handle this first test well, and I'm going, I'm going Sparties. Spartan up. I like uh, the Spartans hey. here <laughs> at home. Great minds think alike. Screw you, Desmond Howard. Which, like, to your point, like, look, Michigan State, their best win is Miami. Miami stinks. You're, Miami the Washington stinks, game, yeah. to your point, was Michigan winning that game. So it's like, we, it's for two 7 0 teams in the top 10, we really don't know, like, are these teams any good? Are they any bad? To your point, right, this is the first real test on Holland Week, and we finally get an idea of who Michigan and Michigan State are. With that said, look, Michigan's offense is still black. They can run the ball. Congratulations. Can they throw the ball? I don't believe so. I really don't think they can. Michigan State's explosive. It's kind of weird to say. They can have some big plays in the run game. They can have some big plays in the passing game. I trust their passing offense more than Michigan. I think you still got to pass to win games. I don't trust Jim Harbaugh in big games like this at all, especially on the road. I think this has Michigan State written all over it. I will take Sparty. Getting four points at home, too? Brooks, that's, we'll, we'll take that any day. I like it. All right. We'll save your game for last to the Thursday night game for last as a big Cardinals fan yourself. So let's go to my team. Titans and Colts. Big game here for the AFC South and the future of the division. Titans going on the road, getting one point. Despite coming off of victories over the Chiefs and over the Bills, the Colts are one-point home favorites. Rooks, you going with Indy? You going with Tennessee? So I don't, I don't <laughs> want to disappoint our man. Here we go. I know you're big Colts guy. I think Tennessee take. I think Tennessee covers. Um, okay. Derrick Henry, I mean, I would just like to say, only team that can hold Derrick Henry under 80 points or 80 yards, Arizona Cardinals. Oh, but his, <laughs> he is moving. He had a passing touchdown last week. Which he huge. did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was not a beautiful passing touchdown, but he did have a passing touchdown. But I think, I think the Titans are starting to come together a little bit. I think they're starting to figure stuff out. I mean, they beat... They handled the Chiefs, and then granted some of it was without Mahomes, but they handled the Chiefs pretty pretty standard. Um, I think they're starting to click, and they're starting to figure things out. I do agree. I will agree with you. Like, you were talking about Wentz earlier. Wentz has been a big surprise for me. His big issue is always holding on to the ball, and granted, he's not lighting up the passing yards column, but one INT through that many games is still it's something to be happy about and pleased with. Um, Colts defense too is not not a slouch, but I just I think Derrick Henry is going to carry this through, and I think I think the Colts I think the uh, Titans are going to cover. I'm glad you picked the Titans. I really am because I'm going with the Colts. I'll be honest here. <laughs> this is what I'll say about ten. Look, I hate Derrick Henry. I really do. I just just tackle the guy. You know where he's going to just tackle him. Anyway, this is what I'll say about this game. The Titans are really good. Two point right. They just they beat two of the better teams. I know the Chiefs are having a down year. I think still think the Chiefs are, are still a really good team. They'll just they're in a little funk right now. So you're coming yeah. off two back tech wins over two really good teams in the Bills and the Chiefs. The thing with the Titans is I don't think that there's ever a question of are they crazy talented? Can they win games like this? It's always can they do it consistently? They lost to the Jets a few weeks ago. I, don't tell me about Julio Jones not being there in Brown. You lost to the Jets, okay? I don't want to hear it. Derek Henry's there, Ryan Tannehill's there. Fair. You lost to the Jets. They are so inconsistent that, you know what? They've had two weeks where they are super high. They are they are flying high. I think this is the week to come back down to earth. The Colts are really starting to hit their stride. They're getting healthier. 
Carson Wentz is protecting the football. Jonathan Taylor, Frank Reich finally remembers how goddamn good Jonathan Taylor is and handing the ball off more. I think this is a game where Carson Wentz kind of... It was Jonathan Taylor last week in the, in the slop against San Francisco. I think this is a game Carson Wentz balls out, torches that awful secondary of Tennessee. They're so banged up there. They have no talent. Oh, I'm really I'm really setting myself up here for a big a, a big all takes exposed. I'm going with the Colts at home. I think they get a, a much needed big time win, bring the Titans back down earth a little bit. And this is the third week in a row I'm picking against the Titans. So far I'm owing <laughs> two, so maybe I should pick Tennessee. But I will go with hey, the I Colts. Let's keep it. I, I pick the Titans, you pick the Colts. Hey man, I love it. I love it. Oh, all right. Yes, I do like that we're disagreeing. So I will take the Colts minus one. You'll take the Titans plus one. Sunday Night Football, Cowboys at Vikings. We don't know about Dak. We think he'll play, but he's hurting his calf. Cowboys still one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Minnesota. Armin, which are we going here? I'm going with the old Jerry Jones boys. There's all this speculation if Dak's going to play or not, but I think he's going to play. Um, you know, I just got I got a hunch. I don't, I don't Ooh. know. I got that Teddy Pilar's hunch. I was just going to say, is there like any sourcing there? Or is this just, you know, Rooks, Rooks knows some people, it sounds like. You know, Teddy, 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 let me know. This I'm guy's just, like just an, an just insider, huh? Blame everything, on, blame everything on Teddy at this point. Um, I'm going with the Cowboys. Um, Kirk Cousins, primetime record's terrible. His record against the Cowboys is terrible. And, you know, I'm going, so my fit, little insight here, fantasy team, just banged up. I have Devontae Adams, Chris Carson, and Russell Wilson. So scrambling the quarterback. I have Kirk Cousins starting. So my idea, you know, I'm going to pick against them. <laughs> and either he's going to play crazy and I'm going to be happy, or I'm going to get the W on Hinky's Pickies and be happy, you know. Um, but in reality, I think I think the Cowboys, they have way too much firepower for that team. If this, and granted, this all, I think, kind of banks on Dak playing, but I think he's going to play. I'm going with the boys. Shout out, shout out my man, Jerry Jones. Let me ask you this question. This will maybe deter my pick or not. Did you see the press box video of when they beat the Patriots two weeks ago and he got very, very close to his son? Maybe some lip-on-lip -lip action there. It was Zapruder film-like, but there was, it was very close. Did you see that at all? I did not see that. I'm very glad I didn't see that. For, for, for all the listeners out there, not a big Jerry Jones fan. That's why I keep making, why I keep saying this stuff, but like, yeah, if you would, if I would have seen that, probably would be going with the Vikings. So, if you want, take a look. If you want to change your pick before the game on Sunday, let me know. Is that a, if that changes your thoughts, and maybe if you want to avoid seeing that on national TV for all the cameras, that would be <laughs> Jerry. My goodness, I will say I hate to kind of rain on your parade, Rooks. I think you're right. Cow I'm going with the Cowboys. The Cowboys are actually really good. The Vikings stink. Like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins in prime time. That's all. I, enough said. He's actually, and I will say, to be fair to Kirk. He's actually been pretty good this year. Yeah, like he's actually been definitely. pretty clutch somehow, which is, I mean, maybe we're it's in the not, matrix. Or... Not, like him being clutch has never been his thing. Like, no. When he was a, a quarterback over here for the Washington football team. That's right, your hometown you know, team. Su surrounded by the football team fans. Every year we're watching the last last game that's going to determine if they win the division. Kirk Cousins driving downfield. All my friends are all excited. I'm just sitting there. No, he's going to throw a pick in the coming plays. It's just, it's a lock. I forgot what, I think they were playing the Giants. They were playing the Giants. Giants didn't have a great record. They had to just beat the Giants to win the division. Kirk threw like three picks, two down the stretch to Rodgers Cromartie, and they lost the game or something like that. Like, I'm, I'm not really in on Kirk, but like, hey, if he plays good this week, you know, 
Fantasy. Hey, I need some big yards here from Kirk Cousins. So the reverse jinx. There's reverse a theme jinx. here. There's a big theme. Yeah. Reverse jinx is, is kind of running through the show. Well, maybe I'll put a, a kibosh on that. I with you, though. I think the Cowboys are just better. Right. Kirk Cousins, he's been clutch, but I'll still take the, the Cowboys. Minus one and a half on the road. Do get the dub. Final game. Big one tonight, Rooks. A banged up, COVID-ridden Packers team flying across the country to take on your 7-0. Undefeated, only undefeated team left in the NFL, Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals right now are favored by a big number. Six and a half points. Do the Cardinals cover tonight, Rooks? Do your boys go to 8-0? Or it's going to be a little closer than we think. I think the Cardinals absolutely cover this game. Woo! No Devontae Adams, no Lazard. Randall Cobb's your number one receiver, and I know him and Aaron Rodgers have that connection, but if Randall Cobb is your guy, not looking too hot. <laughs> um, we just, like, the Cardinals have just looked so good for me not to pick this, you know what I mean? No Devontae Adams. Like, what reason do I have not to believe that the Cardinals aren't going to do this? Kyler Murray looks great. Multiple receivers over 300 yards or 250 or whatever it is. We have two running backs that are going crazy. Our defense, Isaiah Simmons finally doesn't look like a lost child and he's actually playing, doing his responsibilities. Um, does stink that we lost JJ, but at the beginning <laughs> of the year, I said, I love, I love us, you know, picking up these, these veterans, but combined how many games have they played in the last four years? And thank God AJ Green is still healthy, but J.J. Watt, it was just a time bomb. It was just, you knew it was going to happen eventually. But overall, I just think, I think we just have, like, you know, definitely a little bit biased here. But I think we we have way too many players on the field to not win this game by more than a touchdown. I really do. I love it. I think I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going with the Packers for one name, two words. Aaron Rodgers. This, to me, just feels like a game where, to your point, you're missing your number one receiver. You're missing your number two receiver. This has like you're going on the road to a undefeated. Card. This has like basically a Cardinals domination and all over it. I just feel like those are the games where Aaron Rodgers kind of goes f you and like I'm going to play the game I like with with Randall Cobb, with Marquez Valdez Scanling, and like with with, um, with Robert Tanya. Three touchdowns. He's going to just pop off probably. It's fine. And then we're sitting like, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers is still really damn good in. The Cardinals, you know what? Hey, you just kind of ran into a buzzsaw. I will say, I do think Packers cover. I think they win flat out, to be honest. I think they went out right. You're feeling a Packers win? I'm feeling great right now. You I'm, might have to. I'm on clap nine. Is, is there betting legally in Maryland? Um, I'm actually not sure to be. I, last last I thought there was, it wasn't, but I genuinely don't know. I, you got to ask, ask Johnny Baseball. Johnny Baseball. I was going to say, for you, you might as well just run over to a, you know, to a sports right now and put a lot of money down the card as if. The way I'm feeling about the Packers, this has a Cardinals like 31-17 dominant win written all over it. Kyler Murray's a lot of fun. I love watching Kyler. I'm glad your boys are good. He's he's the best. I there's um I was out a few weekends ago and I was talking to this kid who's like kind of a friend of a friend. And he he's like, Oh, you're a Cardinals fan? I was like, Yeah, like, oh dude, Kyler Murray's really not that good. <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, okay, like you can say that, but give me some reasoning. You know, he just kind of makes people miss in the backfield and then finds an open receiver. So he's bad at the position because he's good at the position. I've never been more furious with a human in my life. I was so angry. I had to like, I had to like take a lap around the bar. Like I was so angry. The goal of the NFL, 
make guys miss and score touchdowns. What is Kyler Murray good at? He's really good at making guys miss, but you know that doesn't really matter in the NFL. That's that's really nothing. So it's like, yeah, sure, you, you make guys miss, then you find the open receiver and throw him and, and get long gains. Uh, that guy sucks. Lamar Jackson, too. He's too elusive. Lamar Jackson's not a good quarterback. He's too elusive. He was like, it's just not sustainable. I was like, do you know who Russell Wilson is? <laughs> Russell Wilson hasn't had an offensive line his entire career, and he's winning games every year. Like, what are you talking about? I wish he dropped a Kyler Murray's too short. Oh, yeah. Or his hands are too small. <laughs> Dude, that would have been better analysis than he's too good at making guys miss in the backfield and finding open receivers. What an insane thing to say. We should really get that guy on the show. That's you know that's the analysis we need on the Ryan Hickey show for yeah, Hickey's oh, Pickies. Get, get me in contact some, with him, right? <laughs> he would have some interesting Hickey's Pickies. I mean, to be fair, we were watching. It was a football Saturday, college football Saturday. He's wearing a Mike Vick jersey, um, Eagles jersey, and then an Eagles hat. I was like, what time do Eagles play today? <laughs> it's Saturday. Like, what are you doing? I do love that live from Brooks. I'm with you, by the way. Nothing is worse than people going to bars, watching games, wearing like totally no one playing jerseys. In NFL yeah. Sunday, you don't wear, especially if they lose. The worst is when they lose. The next day, you see like people wearing jerseys of the losing team. Don't do that, please. Yeah. Loser. All right, so the five picks are in the books. Rooks is back in his alma mater. He's a better Pente for the nine. He's taking uh, Pente plus 18 and a half. I'll go Ohio State. We are both, not good, but we're both on Michigan State plus four at home. Rooks is taking his beloved Cardinals minus six and a half. I'll take the Packers. I'm on the Colts minus one. Rooks is on the Titans plus one. So I'm actually glad we're both picking against the teams we root for. That's always a good sign. And we're yeah. both on the Cowboys minus one and a half. All right, our man. The upset special time. This is where you truly make your move up the leaderboard. Pick a spread. Any game where an underdog five or more points, you get, if they cover, you get one point. They win outright, you get two bonus points. Armand, what All is right. your pick this week? I'm going Patriots-Chargers. So Chargers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Patriots cover. I, did, they're a star- I mean, granted, they just destroyed an abysmal Jets team. Sorry. Sorry, Jets fans. Um <sighs> I know, I know, we got some Jet fan, Jet fans uh, tuning in right now. That was ugly. They, um, I think, the, I think the Patriots cover. They're starting to figure it out. They played a lot of close games this year. Like they're in majority of the games they play. They're starting to figure it out. Mac Jones. I didn't know how to feel about him, but he's, you know, he's he's not making mistakes. Like he's not making huge mistakes. And then they have seven running backs that get touchdowns apparently, but. I just think they played everyone so close. I think Vilichek's going to keep it in, and I think they're going to cover. If they won, that'd be great. Um, but I think the char- I think the Chargers have been a little like a little up and down here and there. I just I think Vilichek's going to keep them in there. Chargers, they right. Last time we saw them, they got blown out by the Ravens. So maybe if they haven't figured it out, hey, the Patriots sneak in there. They, I think the I think the Chargers, uh, the Patriots won like fifty to nothing last year when they played them. Um, so maybe that carries over. Maybe just Sean or uh, Brandon Staley just too intimidated by Bill Belichick. Patriots do get a win. I'll go back to college football here. I've kind of gotten a theme on the show recently, Rooks, and it's a simple one: picking against Clemson. I mean, Clemson. Look, <laughs> they stink right now. For they, whatever, which is, it makes me so happy. Not a big Dabo Sweeney no. guy. Seeing them loot. First off, them loot, dropping NC State. You would think. You think I won the lottery with how loud it was in my apartment? <laughs> I was screaming from my balcony. I was so excited and just happy to watch Dabo Sweeney be sad. And then, you know, it keeps rolling. They keep sticking it up. It's just getting better. I mean, how bizarre world is it watching Pitt 
handle Clemson and look like the best. They were Pitt was favorite at home. Like, oh, I picked Pitt. I still I did not feel great about that. I'll tell you. And they just they look damn good. It is it's a bizarre world we're watching here. Yeah, just. Clemson's quarterback throwing a pick on a what was it like a shovel pass? Yeah, like, dude. And like, now they throw it a pick. Haven't gone yet to the house. You know how hard that is. To, like throwing a pick is one thing. Wow, that's a great read. Picked it and then just took it to the house. That is that's tough like, to do. Just do better. Like just your division one quarterback. Just do better, man. Do better. He is a. Do you want to try to pronounce his name? He is a very interesting name, like yours truly. I cannot. I cannot say. DJ Uwe Ungalalei. No. To you. I, I'm not even going to give it a swing. Not I'm, even, not even gonna, I'm not even taking a swing. Preston, Rooksbury, Carmen, second. So that's too tough for me. I'm going to pass. All right. That, that's fine. That's fair. I will, with that said, though, Clemson stinks. Florida State's look. Florida State's not very good either. They stink. Ugh. But they're getting nine and a half points. It's in Death Valley. Can Clemson score 10 points? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Can they win 10 nothing? I don't think so. I think this game will be a closer game. Two bad teams that really can't figure it out. I'll take Florida State here. Cover the nine and a half points. Just keep on riding the Dabo Sweeney stinks train. The offense can't figure it out. They're making quarterback decisions halfway. I don't know if they know who their quarterback's going to be. Uh, Florida State plus nine and a half is where I'm going. P-Man, this, I love that you backed that. I like your choice. You like mine. We picked against each other's teams, which I love, by the way. No okay. mercy, no favoritism. <laughs> that is why we bring Rooks on the Ryan Hickey Show. That's why we bring them. On his favorite named show segment, Hickey's Pickies. Hickey's Pickies, baby. Preston Rooksbury, Carmine Second. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is always a great time. I'm I'm terrified to see how my picks pan out every single time I do this. Last you know, last time didn't go super well. Woke up Sunday a little bit a little bit hurt my choices, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. I'm glad I'm glad to stick my neck out here and make make some pickies. I hope for your sake you're 2 0. I pray to God we wake up on Sunday morning and you are 2 0. Just Ugh. for Penn State, please, I'm begging. Just give us hope. Give us a reason to watch in the fourth quarter. That's all I ask. Yeah. That yeah, is. I it. can't. I don't know if I can deal with. I mean, I don't know if you. I think it was sophomore year where we're watching. We're watching. And, <laughs> I forgot who the part we were watching it. We're all excited. Ohio State away. Like we had a bunch of people in the apartment. It's just touchdown, touchdown touchdown and then just the mood was just so low after that and we were in pain i i don't know if i can after a 9 ot loss to illinois i don't know if i can watch an ohio state blowout that game you're referencing our sophomore year 63 to 14 burned in my memory yeah if we get another performance like that coming off of a nine overtime loss to illinois I think I might give up college football the rest of the season. I might not watch another game, another Penn State game the rest of the year. Holy cow. I, I'm with you there. It is. We don't deserve that. We, I just keep it close. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Rooks. Just, just make it a game. That's all, that's all we ask, you know. All right, man. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me. Again, always a pleasure. Preston Rooksbury Carmine's a second. The man. The goat. We appreciate him coming on. We do return here to Hickey's Pickies. We both mentioned a quarterback, Russell Wilson. Is Pete Carroll's attitude finally changing? Well, I'll have some audio to play why the answer is yes. I'll tell you the reason why Pete Carroll finally has come to his senses when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show.
right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back in to the Ryan Hickey Show. We appreciate Rooks. A short for Preston Brooksbury Carmine's a second. We love his picks. We love his time here on the show. We'll get you his picks out there on social media with tonight's game, Cardinals and Packers being one of the picks. And we'll hope that Rooks continues to reverse the trend from last year to this year, from bad to good. We've seen it already with a few pickers. And hopefully that continues for Rooks here. Because we always root for the celebrity guest pickers. Selfishly or unselfishly, I never root for myself to be right. I always root for the guests on the show to be right. Next, since we you know, disagree on a few picks that I hope become right, selfishly, that yeah, maybe it is my best interest that you know, Penn State does cover and I'm wrong. We'll see. But we do hope Rooks gets more right than wrong. We do appreciate him coming on here for a few minutes. So I want to circle back to the Monday Night Football game between the Seahawks and the Saints here. Because coming out of that game, something Pete Carroll said really piqued my interest. I said this a few weeks ago on, on CBS Sports Radio, not here. But when the uh, Russell Wilson injury first went down, right, when he left the Rams game on Thursday night early and then it was revealed that he needed surgery and would need to be, you know, could be out up to two months potentially. I thought at the time, and I think this has been reiterated um, since, I think Russell Wilson's injury, him missing time now, is the best thing to happen to the Seahawks for their long-term success, for their future. Because now this finally gives Pete Carroll a glimpse of what life is like without Russell Wilson. And I'll say this. If he didn't have this experience of watching Geno Smith be his quarterback for the past two games and at least one more this week against the Jaguars, if he didn't have these at least three games of watching Geno Smith run the offense and not Russell Wilson, I think a lot of the offseason strife, frustration from Russell Wilson that I don't think was resolved in really any aspect, right, when Russell Wilson came out, Voices frustration, Pete Carroll didn't really change his ways and Russell Wilson came back to the team with nothing being different, tangibly on the outside at least. I truly thought that that frustration would boil into this year. I did not think that this relationship was as strong as Russell Wilson was making it out to be. And I think this would have led this offseason to Russell Wilson truly forcing his way out and playing on another team in 2022. I was dead set. Russell Wilson would be gone after this season. But now that Pete Carroll has a taste of life without Russell Wilson, I think now he is desperate to keep him. I think now he finally realizes for the first time that, oh my God, I need Russ. This team is really not that good without him. And now I think that's going to lead Pete Carroll to do whatever it takes to keep Russell Wilson in Seattle. And that's going to be a good thing for the Seahawks. So let's play a little game here for you. I'm going to play a little game before and after. right Before the Russell Wilson injury, after the Russell Wilson injury. Let's see how Pete Carroll's tone and tune and attitude towards Russell Wilson has changed pre and post finger injury that left him out in that three games. Before the injury, I think it's fair to say Pete Carroll did not understand the importance of the quarterback position. He was a guy that still believed running the ball and playing good defense is how Super Bowls are won, even in 2021. This is evident because we saw last year, right? Let's go back to last year remember what happened. The first half of the year, Russell Wilson was basically the front-runner, runaway MVP candidate. The Seahawks were a high-scoring offense, and they were legitimate Super Bowl contenders. But as we know, at different times, you know, the Bills game, there was a ton of turnovers. There was a few games towards the middle of the season where Russell Wilson had multiple turnovers, multiple interceptions. So what happened? 
Second half of the year, Pete Carroll put the clamps down on the offense. He wanted a more conservative, safe offense. So even though, yeah, Russell Wilson was turned the ball over, he had 26 touchdown passes, 8 interceptions halfway through the year. Interceptions, okay, a little high, but the touchdown passes, I mean, he's going to, you know, what is that, 55, 56 touchdown passes he's averaging? Pete said, no, thanks, we're going to slow it down. So the points per game went down, the interceptions went down, but so did the touchdown passes, so did the prolific offense that Seattle had the first half of the year. They became a pretty conservative, basic offense in the second half of 2020. And guess what? By the time the playoffs came, they were not Super Bowl contenders. They were not a threat. They lost at home to a backup quarterback in John Wolford. And then when he got hurt, they lost to a quarterback in Jared Goff who was playing with a broken thumb on his throwing hand. And the Rams still won the game. So that's why Russell Wilson is so frustrated, so agitated, because you have an elite quarterback basically being treated like he's a kid at the kids' table. He was not allowed any access. He wanted what Tom Brady had. He wanted more say in the offense. He wanted scheme changes. He wanted a say in the aggressiveness of the offense, what plays were going to be called, and what players were going to be surrounding him on offense. He wanted the Tom Brady Buccaneers treatment, and I think Russell Wilson is deserving of it, more than deserving of it. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, those guys are worth that treatment of having their voice heard and having a legitimate say in decision-making. But as we know, Pete Carroll shut that down quick. There is accounts by reporters who did a great job here of specifically highlighting different points in the season that Russell Wilson tried to have his voice or tried to give different opinions and different suggestions that were shot down. That led Russell Wilson to voicing out. That led Russell Wilson to having his agent leak out teams that he would accept a trade to. And as we know, nothing happened this offseason. He was not traded. He's on the Seahawks. But also nothing happened because nothing happened in terms of Russell Wilson getting what he wanted. He did not get more power. He did not have more say. He was not really able to have a say in the offense and the scheme and the play calling. So in terms of Russ's power within the organization, nothing changed. He just basically said, all right, I guess I'll return. I didn't get what I wanted, but I'll still return. But now, I really thought that with everything staying the same heading to this year, I thought that would pave the way for Russ to, again, be frustrated and force his way out. I don't see the Seahawks being a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. Their defense sinks. Their run game is non-existent. As you know, Russell Wilson still, again, has to shoulder the load here, and there's really not a lot around him. So I thought 2021 was going to replicate 2020. Frustration, underperforming. I think that was going to lead Russ to want out and truly this time get what he wants. So I had that thought. All the way up until that Thursday night game until Russell Wilson left the game with that finger injury. Because now, after the injury, you listen to how Pete Carroll talks. How he talks about Russell Wilson. How he talks about the offense. How he talks about the future. All of a sudden, it's like an epiphany went off in Pete Carroll's head. And now he finally realizes how good Russell Wilson is. Take a listen. Because this is what I was talking about Monday night. So after the game... Pete Carroll has asked a question about Russell Wilson. And for the first time that I can remember in a very long time, Pete Carroll gave a ton of praise to Russell. Listen to what Pete had to say. I've been here a long time. And uh, if we didn't have Russell, I probably wouldn't have been here a long time. Because all the, think of all the magic that he's created in, in the years. He's got numbers and stats and fourth quarter this is and that's and all that stuff. You know, one of the winningest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And uh, 
and it'll be really fun when he comes back and plays football again for us this year. And, and uh, you know, we owe a tremendous amount. You can see how hard it is, you know. I mean, all of these games, they all the Rams game, the, the what was the next one? The um, Steelers, yeah, Steelers and this one. I mean, you know, Russell's a factor. <laughs> He's a fantastic positive factor and always has been. And, I mean, those are exactly his time. That, that's his time. And that's when he shines. And, and um, so, you know, we miss him. And in the meantime, we're going to keep fighting and clawing and doing everything we can. I wouldn't be here as long as I have if Russ wasn't here. That, to me, sounds like finally someone who it's taken way too long to realize what he has, but he just realizes he's been sitting on a pot of gold for forever, and before it's too late, he's going to make sure he lets Russell Wilson know, I'm not taking you for granted. I cannot let you go. That sounds like a man who never, ever wants to deal with the possibility of of Geno Smith being his long-term quarterback or anyone being his long-term quarterback. Because Pete Carroll finally came to the realization that we all had, but Russ just, I mean, Pete took forever to get to. This team is nothing without Russell Wilson. Their defense is not very good. It's not very good. They are 31st in the NFL so far through seven games in total defense. They're allowing 414 yards per game. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They can't get after the quarterback. They're 13th in the NFL. They have, sorry, just 13 sacks in the NFL so far through seven games. 25th in the league. Defense is not very good. The run game isn't very good. Their offense line has struggled to give time to the quarterback to throw the ball. So when you look at Russell Wilson the last few years, when he has really become and involved into an elite quarterback, he has covered up for a ton of these flaws on the roster. He kept thinking, oh, Defense is going to win us the game. We're going to play conservative offense. Russ is, you know, these turnovers are really killing us. Now he's realizing how much Russell Wilson covers up for. How bad his defense truly is because now he doesn't have a Russell Wilson to bail him out and score 25, 30, 35 points a game. To lead him on a two-minute drive to win the game. To not fumble the ball in overtime in the Steelers' end that gives the Steelers a chip shot field goal to win the game like Geno Smith happened last Sunday night. Pete Carroll finally finally has learned this team is nothing without Russell Wilson. This is Russell Wilson's team. I think it's a major step of progression for Russell Wilson's camp in terms of getting what he wants when he hears Pete Carroll say, I'm not here as long as I am if Russ isn't here. That's Pete Carroll for the first time that I've heard publicly finally give Russell Wilson the credit he deserves. The Seahawks stink without Russell Wilson. This roster is littered with holes. And Russell Wilson corrects and hides a lot of those flaws. So now, this is why I'm saying the Russell Wilson injury, missing at least three games, is the best thing to happen to the Seahawks long term. It might as well be the difference of them missing the playoffs. I think they beat the Seahawks, uh, I think they beat the Steelers, excuse me, if Russell Wilson is healthy. I think they beat the Saints if Russell Wilson's healthy. They definitely beat the Jaguars. They might anyway with Geno Smith. But either way, they win all three of these games. That might be the difference between sitting home in the playoffs and being in the playoffs. So even if you miss the playoffs, this injury is still the best thing that happened to Seattle because now Russell, uh, now Pete Carroll, I think, finally realizes, I can't let this guy go. I'm not going to be the reason why Russ leaves. So, Russ, you want more say in the offense? Deal. It's your offense. Let's work together as a partnership to figure out what you want. You want better play calling? You like these plays to work for you? 
we will work on it. Shane Waldron, the offense coordinator, me and you, we will work together to find what you like. You want maybe a little better left tackle or maybe you want uh, a little, you know, a third receiver that's better. We'll work to get that for you. We will do whatever it takes to keep you here because we realize as soon as you walk out the door, this team is a 5-11, and 5-12 now I should say, 6-11 and 11 football team every year. This is not a good team. And if Russ is gone, that means Pete's not there that much longer either. He's had a ton of success in Seattle, a lot of consistency. This roster is so bad without Russell Wilson that that will doom and spell the end of Pete Carroll in the near future as well. It took a while. It took extreme measures of watching another quarterback run the offense and not doing it anywhere close to the level Russell Wilson can. But Pete Carroll has finally, finally realized how valuable Russell Wilson is to this team. That, to me, is the reason why this is a massive injury in a positive way. Because I think this, this, as someone who was sitting here basically up until two weeks ago, thought it was a guarantee that Russell Wilson is out the door on another team in 2022. Now, after hearing Pete Carroll talk the way he has, seeing his kind of reaction to watching Geno Smith play, getting uh, and seeing Pete Carroll having a sneak peek of his future, this is me thinking, you know what? Pete Carroll finally has a chance to right or wrong here, and I think he will. I don't think he's going to let Russell Wilson walk out the door. I think they will fix these issues and give Russell what he wants. And I think Russell Wilson will be a Seahawk for a lot longer than just 2021. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Are you changing the way you view Russell Wilson's future? Is this injury, as crazy as it sounds, possibly most likely costing the Seahawks a playoff spot here? Is this the best thing to happen to Seattle? Love to hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. We return here in a minute on the Ryan Hickey Show. Who needs tonight's Thursday night football game more, the Cardinals or the Packers? I'll explain why the answer is Arizona, where the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back in as we wrap up here on a Thursday morning. Quickly, just want to give you my thoughts on the Thursday night game. A good one. Packers 6-1, Cardinals 7-0. For me tonight, even though the Packers are riddled with injuries and unfortunate players not being able to play because of COVID, I do think this game is more important to the Cardinals tonight and a, more of a must-win for the Cardinals for three reasons. Number one, I, I just mentioned, they're the healthier team. No Devonta Adams, no Alan Lazard for the Packers. Their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, also out for Green Bay as well. So you're missing three important players here for Green Bay heading to this game on a short week. So you're the healthier team. I know J.J. Watt just came down that he's going to miss the rest of the year with a shoulder injury. But, you know, tough loss for Arizona. They're still the healthier team. They're still the better team you got to take advantage when a team like the Packers, when a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers has a few of his most important guys banged up. So that's number one. Number two, I mean, look, I know they're 7-0, but you need to win a game like this against a lesser opponent, again, because of injuries and COVID. you got to win a game that's a key pace in the division. I know they're number one right now, but the Rams are 6-1 and one and breathing down their neck. The Rams are playing some really good football. This is a tough, brutal division. So even though the 49ers haven't played as well as I thought, even though the Seahawks really have been a mess because of Russell Wilson's injury, there's still a lot of tough games for the Cardinals left. If you get a, I don't want to say a gift, but you have an opportunity like this to play a, a good Packers team, but without some important key pieces. 
You got to take advantage of this. You got to keep winning games like this to keep your division lead the way it is. Even though I know it's not a division game, but you got to keep as many wins to stack them on top of each other because it's going to go, it's going to be a race down to the finish between the Rams and the Cardinals. Every win counts. And finally, number three for the Cardinals at 7-0, a game like this could be the difference between having a bye in the playoffs, having home field advantage in the playoffs, or not. Or playing in the first round. Or playing in an extra game. Because you look right now, right? The, the, the Cardinals are 7-0. But you have the Packers at 6-1, the Rams at 6-1, the Bucks at 6-1, the Cowboys are 5-1. There are five teams right there, right nipping at the Cardinals' heels. So this is not a runaway where, you know, they can just cruise to the finish and they'll have the number one seed. They'll get the only buy in the NFC. The NFC is going to be a dogfight. I just mentioned those five teams. Those five teams, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys, and the Packers, like, those are by far the five best teams, maybe right now in the NFL. So it's going to be a, a gauntlet to get to the Super Bowl. For the Cardinals, you got to give yourself every possibility, every chance to have the best opportunity to get to the playoffs, to have the best odds to get to the Super Bowl, I should say. Getting home field advantage, getting the number one seed, not playing a playoff game, easing up your road is the best way to do so, and you get that number one seed, you get the bye. You get home field advantage with wins like this. So for me, that's why this is, I know the Packers are, you know, have, are down a few of their big players. This is a must win. This is a big game for more of the Cardinals. I think they need it more than the Packers do. That'll be a fun game to watch tonight. Definitely excited for that. So we do appreciate you joining us here on this Thursday morning. We appreciate Preston Rooksbury Carmine the second. For hopping on Hickey's Pickies and giving his picks. We'll put those out on social media in case you missed it in a little bit as well. And another busy weekend. World Series, NFL, college football. So enjoy a very busy Halloween weekend. Mind you, don't think I forgot. Have a very fun and exciting Halloween weekend. We'll talk to you Monday to break it all down. When the Ronnie Show returns. Well, I guess we will return on Monday. But we'll talk to you on Monday. Have a st- stay safe, everyone. Stay sane. We'll talk to him Monday right here. Where else? The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.